Welcome back to the best college football pick and pod in the land. We come to you from bellyupsports.com as we do each and every week. He is Alan Denton and can be found at AD on the blackout. I am Thomas Black, and of course, you can find me on Twitter at TB on the blackout. Alan, as we walk into a week 13 pick and pod coming away from week 12, how are you feeling, sir? Oh, man, I uh, pick them wise, I feel pretty good. But uh, emotionally unstable after the Tennessee loss and complete <laughs> no show. I feel like I just reached for a glass of sweet tea and instead had to drink that nasty piss water known as unsweet tea. <laughs> I can't blame you, Alan. I mean, I've been in such a rush to get down to picks and everything and get to recording. I know that you've got some extra stuff on your hands this week. We didn't even touch base. So I'm sorry about the loss, man. It was as stunning as anything was over the weekend. And I know it's got to hurt doubly bad with the injury to Hendon Hooker. Oh, man. He's such a good dude. And he's been so great. I mean, so much of this year has been about him just elevating that team. And so you hate to see it go out that way. I actually think we'll play probably better against Vanderbilt this week because of that. But regardless, long-term, I hate it for him because I actually think that may affect his draft stock too. Yeah, I think it easily could. It makes two of us. It's hard to see a guy like him go out who's been so, so good and so important to that team. But man, what a shocker against the Gamecocks. Whew. Just Spencer Rattler became the true football Jesus that day. Like, That man could do no wrong, and it's not like our defense tried to even force him to do any wrong either. Just glimpses of what was at Oklahoma before a year ago and before the transfer. So remarkable things from Spencer Rattler and company. But, Alan, if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and dive into the picks that went down in Week 12. Yeah, man. All right. Against the spread over on CBSSports.com, Alan, you had one of those strong weeks you were looking for. You went 6-3 and with your picks. You had, as your wins, Kansas State minus 7.5, Iowa plus 2.5, Wyoming plus 14.5, Arkansas as an ATS lock plus 2.5 points. You killed it there. Oklahoma minus 7.5 and Utah plus 3.5. On the losing end, you had TCU minus 2.5, UCLA plus 1.5, and Ohio State minus 27.5 as an ATS lock. Alan, how are you feeling post a winning week in week 12. Man, I had a bad feeling as soon as I saw that Michigan game and as soon as I saw the TCU game being really weird and fluky, I'm like, I just went on air in front of God and everybody and said that Ohio State was going to beat the crap out of Maryland, and that did not end up being the case at all. At first, I was like, okay, they get out 7 to nothing, but, I mean, Maryland had a shot to actually win that game which is remarkable, and considering that they've not played particularly well offensively or defensively the past few weeks. But that day, weird things happened, and so that one's just awful. That Wyoming game, though, I really like Craig Bowl as a coach. You know, he won three FCS championships back-to-back-to-back at North Dakota State. He's come to Washington, excuse me, Wyoming and done a good job there. I've not been overly impressed with 
Boise State all year. So I had that one covering, even though it was pretty high on my confidence board. And I'm going to hold off and talk a little bit about that Arkansas game when we talk about confidence, because that's the place where that really helped me out. A lot of money was found with those Razorbacks, but Alan, on the week, you did go 1-1 one and one with your ATS locks. You're now 11-13 and 13 on the season, hitting at just under 46% on those. And overall, you're now 54-64 and 64 in your picks, a good bump up after the 6-3 and three week. You're now hitting at nearly 46% there, and you're in a tie for 18th overall, 10 games back. So you're running out of time on the ATS side. There's not a lot you can do back 10 games other than have a perfect week or two here as we go into the end of the season. But uh, you did certainly trim a good chunk off of that lead with your 6-3 and three week. Yeah, now I'm back into a respectable place, right? And that's year one of doing something like this. That's really what I was hoping for and something that I've not ever had the chance to do and kind of get a feel for. So I'll take 6-3, and three and I will definitely take tied for 18th, considering how bad the previous week was. I certainly would have loved to be six and three myself. It's because I went the exact opposite three and six with my picks. The wins were Kansas state minus seven and a half as an ATS lock, Iowa plus two and a half, Wyoming plus 14 and a half. The losses were TCU minus two and a half as an ATS lock, Ole Miss minus two and a half, Oklahoma state plus seven and a half, UCLA plus one and a half, Oregon minus three and a half and Ohio State minus 27 and a half. And there were a lot of L's on there, but one that I took was my ATS lock with TCU minus the two and a half points. And I'll go ahead and say it. You know, not only did Baylor win that side in the ATS pick them, I think it was the justified side because of how that game played out. Anybody who was on Baylor, credit to you. You did a great job. But still, in a lot of different ways, TCU could have come out on top with this one, even on the ATS side, even though they got the win straight up. You know, they missed an extra point earlier in the game. It forced them to go for two late. One they did not convert on that could have tied the game. And then when they're kicking the field goal at the end to win it, they're going up by one and winning it on the last play rather than potentially going up by three and covering that spread. So I feel very much like I could have won this one, yet I don't think it was the right side, even if I had come out on the right end. And of course, with the win and my ATS lock with Kansas State minus seven and a half points, this one felt like it was going my direction very, very early in the game. But we had one heck of a first quarter with nearly 50 points going up on the board in the first quarter between Kansas State and West Virginia. But that one was shocking with defensive touchdowns and anything and everything going on offensively in the first quarter. But Kansas State's offense certainly was moving up and down the field right from the get-go and made me feel like I was going to lock that one in, which I easily did. Yeah, absolutely. That was a game, in all honesty, that nailed something down about the Big 12 that I've been considering for the past couple of weeks. Kansas State's the best team in the Big 12. And I actually don't even think it's particularly close. And I believe in a couple of weeks that will probably play itself out. And I very much look forward to seeing that happen. Well, just remember, I know you do, but for those listening, think about what we saw with Kansas State the first time they played TCU. They were up, I think it was 28 to 10 in the first half. And if it weren't for a bunch of quarterback injuries that they had going all the way down to a third stringer, they would have won that game. Absolutely. 100%. Even if Will Howard had just stayed in the game, they win that one. 
Yeah, Howard was tearing up that TCU defense while he was in there for two-plus quarters, and uh, it was just the quarterback injuries that got in the way for Kansas State. But they have definitely, I think, been the most complete team inside the Big 12, even if they have to deal with a TCU offense that is very, very good. Alan, my week, I went 1-1 and in the ATS locks as well. That brings me to 10-14 and on the season, hitting at just under 42%. And on the year overall against the spread, I'm 59 and 59, hitting at a 50% clip. I'm in a tie for fourth right there at the top of the pack, but I am still five games back. That's a remarkable thing. I'm sitting in the top five, but five games back. So I really have to make up some ground here in week 13, because if I'm still four or five games back heading into the last week, it's really a prayer of a shot that I'm going to have at that point. So I'm hoping I can cut at least two, if not three games off that lead, if I'm going to have a shot at the top spot. But really at this point, it might be more realistic that I'm playing for second or third. My man's going to have to spin up some black magic. I believe in you, though. Hey, I've had a couple of really hot weeks so far this season, but I've got to turn it around after the three and six week. If you have followed along with our ATS locks all season and you have followed everyone we've given, you take out a couple of L's because of some lock party losses, you would go 21 and 24 in the picks we've given out. That's just under 47% hitting on the season. Alan, that would be good for a spot at about 14th place right now on the leaderboard. That's not great, but now when you're considering that I'm in a tie for fourth and I'm hitting at 50% overall, that means we only have three people now in the Pick'em group over on CBS Sports that are above 500. So that is a rarity And uh, it's just a matter of it's a really tough project that we're taking on going with the picks against the spread. And I think we've done a reasonable job of it. We're just going to see if we can clean some stuff up here in the last two weeks of the season. Yeah, exactly. We're roughing out some edges, but, you know, it's been a fun learning process. I think it's been worth doing. Definitely so. Someone who has not had to rough out the edges has been Alex. He's been up near the top of the leaderboard all season long, but he is in first place as we go into the final two weeks of the season. He is 64 and 54 with his picks, hitting at over 54%. And Alan, he has a one game lead over second place. So to me, in my eyes, if Alex just maintains that one game lead heading into the final week, that's got to feel pretty good, especially if he can gain a little bit of insurance and build that up to a two or three game lead, then he is sitting in a really, really good spot. But to be up one game at this point with only two weeks left, even if he were to lose a game in this week, you know, he probably is still sitting in a great spot to come away with the overall win in that final week with championship weekend. 100%. He's sitting pretty good at this point, and especially going into that final weekend, if he's up by two or more, that's like in the confidence side being 10 plus up, you know, that's a pretty big and steep deal. It definitely is a good comparison that you give there. Alan, when we flip the page over to the confidence side, you had another good week over there on ESPN.com. You went six and three with 37 points. Your wins were Kansas State at a nine, Boise State at an eight, Oklahoma at a seven, TCU at a six, Arkansas at a five as a confidence value pick, Iowa at a two. Your losses were Utah at a four, UCLA at a three as a confidence value pick, and Montana at a one. How are you feeling there with a solid week that pushed you up into the top 10? Freaking UCLA, man. They should have won that game. I know you're going to talk about it, but I'm still (laughs) really angry about it. They're moving the dang ball and have a chance to win it. And Dorian Thompson-Robinson just has a total brain fart. But in all seriousness, and, and looking at this one, I had a lot of faith in Oklahoma. And looking at the way those two teams have been playing 
Oklahoma State has been very much one or two games up and then one game where they don't even show up. And I kind of felt going on the road, this was the time that they weren't going to show up. So I had Oklahoma way up the board, and that one obviously hit and hit big. So was the Arkansas pick. And looking at this matchup with K.J. Jefferson, thinking and believing that he was going to be playing, they needed to win this game to become bowl eligible, whereas Ole Miss was just coming off a rough-and-tumble loss against Alabama where they would have had a chance to continue their lives in the SEC West for that championship race. So because of that, it was just hard to see them going on the road with much juice, especially with the way that Arkansas had played the week before against LSU. Arkansas is playing their best football since the very beginning of the year. So that one was one that at home, I was like, man, this feels like a chance to get some points. And it did help me move up the board a little bit. The one thing that I moved way down low, because quite frankly, I didn't have a clue on, was the game day game. Montana, Montana State. Oddly enough, Montana, who I chose, were a one and a half point road favorite. And then Montana State just beat the crap out of them from the get go. And so that one was wrong. But hey, at least that's wrong at a one. So I can live with that. You can definitely live with it and definitely props on the points you picked up with Oklahoma and Arkansas to be at a seven on Oklahoma, even when they had been better in recent weeks, I think is still pretty impressive. And the fact that they jumped out to 28 points in the first quarter, didn't score a single point the rest of the game, but it was enough. You know, that was impressive to me. And of course, you were all over the Arkansas side, something that I told you I thought could be true, but I certainly didn't feel as strong on it as you did last week. And anybody who sided with you and went your way definitely was rewarded for that. Alan, you're now 74 and 44 on the season in your confidence picks. You have 427 points sitting at just under the 92nd percentile. And you're, of course, in a tie for 10th, like we just said a moment ago. However, you are 25 points off the lead. To me, it feels like two different kind of universes you're in. You're in a tie for 10th. That's got to feel pretty good. But 25 points back is still a good chunk. So what's your goal as we head into week 13? Because I think this is where some of our conversation can really pay some dividends for some people who may be in similar positions, maybe a little further back or maybe just a little bit closer, but still a sizable chunk of points back. What are you trying to do before we enter the final week of the season on the confidence side? This is the week. If I'm going to go for a top five finish, I want to make sure that I'm within seven, eight points moving into that final weekend. Because of that, I'm probably going to be a a little riskier this week, which I was last week in many ways. Some of them just didn't pay off. If either that Utah game where I picked Utah or USC-UCLA, if that one comes through for me, I'm sitting only like 17, 18 points back from the top and probably in seventh or so overall. And so I'm going to be aggressive again because just like they said on the water boy, it's the last game of the year. Don't hold anything back. So I'm not holding anything back. I'm going for it. Yeah, I think you have to go for it. And I think it means somebody in your position has to be a little bit risky. If you know you were only 10 points back or so, I'd say you probably play this a little bit more conservatively. But when you're talking about trying to get to that seven or eight point mark headed into the final week, it means you're going to have to come up with some right plays. So I think we're going to be on the similar position with what we're doing with our boards this week. But Alan, to me, it even correlates like this. You know, we talk about what teams do in game situations when they're thinking about two down territory, when they're entering 
third down, especially when it's third and long. Lots of times you hear, hey, let's cut this distance in half, right? If you can get this thing down to 13, maybe 12 points, maybe you've got a shot, a Hail Mary on week 14 as we close this thing out. But to me, it's closing this gap by at least 10 points or so is going to put you in a position where you at least have a chance. You know, I don't know that you're going to be able to dictate closing by 17 or 18 points. If you get lucky, maybe you do close that much of a gap in one week. We've seen it happen so far this year a couple of times with some people, but I think if you can at least chop 10 points off that lead, maybe a hair more at least gives you that chance heading into the final weekend. Yeah, very much. You just got to give yourself a chance. I'm with you there. I am farther back in the confident standings than Allen is. It's because I'm coming off a 6-3 and three week where I had another solid week like Allen, but I only had 34 points compared to his 37. I had Boise State at a 9, Kansas State at an 8, TCU at a 7 as a confidence value pick, Oregon at a 5, Oklahoma at a 4, Iowa at a 1. The losses were UCLA at a 6 as a confidence value pick, Ole Miss at a 3, and Montana at a 2. I was with you there in that blowout. The things that hit for me were, Alan, I was exactly with you. With UCLA, of course, I put them at a six. You might be able to argue that was a little too high, but I said I wanted an aggressive play where I had a high point value on them, allowing me to drop the value on some other teams. And if it weren't for the confusion surrounding the Oregon Ducks and what happened with Bo Nix leading into the weekend, I would have had Oregon at a higher value than UCLA. It's just there was such a question with that game, I didn't know what to do with it. So going into Saturday, I actually had Utah picked on my board. I had Utah against the spread in the CBS Sports Pick'em. And then about 45 minutes before kickoff, I just updated Twitter over and over and over again, trying to figure out what was going to go down with Bo Nix. Everything that I saw said that he was warming up in the game. Then I saw later on that he was warming up with the ones. It just sounded to me like he was going to be available and playing the game. So I made my switch back to Oregon like I did originally on our bonus pick em pod with my ATS lock, with my confidence value pick, that kind of thing. But I took Oregon in the confidence play. I took them against the spread. And man, I really kind of feel like I should have won both. Oregon's up 17-3 to at halftime. Then Dan Lanning makes the bonehead play to put Ty Thompson in the game starting the second half. They turn the ball over. Not only is it a turnover, it's a scoop and score. That cuts the lead in half. And then a Utah offense that really wasn't good all game then ties the game up. And then Oregon still had chances where they possibly could have covered late in this game. If it weren't for turnovers, then I think I'm on the right side of that one. But I had a good play with that in confidence. And then... At a one value with Iowa, man, I'll tell you, we got Iowa right. You were on that pick as well on the confidence side. We both hit on it in the ATS pick them plus the points. But, Alan, I think the right side was Minnesota. So I've already told one person I've talked to today, if you were on Minnesota, I think you were on the right side. Man, Mo Ibrahim went for 263 yards on the ground. Minnesota only attempted 15 passes in this game because they were running up yards on the ground any time they wanted to. And if it weren't for turnovers, then I think we're talking about a Minnesota win. So to me, I pick a lot of things the same way on my pick and board. If we were to go again with this exact same slate, I'd be on UCLA again, even though they lost. But if we had to pick this game again, I would flip over to Minnesota and pick them in a heartbeat over the Hawkeyes. Well, that's what Iowa does, though. That's part of who they are. That's the reason they have a chance to somehow win eight games and even, I think, potentially be in the Big Ten championship game, which is 
just a remarkable feat considering how terrible and putrid their offense is. But they just cause chaos, and they cause turnovers, and they just find a way. And there is something to that, I suppose. It's what they do each and every week. Sometimes it comes out in your favor, sometimes not. But Iowa has made a game of that the last few years. So my record in confidence on the season is now 72-46. and I have 417 points on the season, sitting in the 85th percentile. I am in 17th place and 35 points off the lead. So as far as finishing in the top three, I've got basically no chance at that because, Alan, we talk about it, you might be able to gain 15, 16, 17, 18 points in a given week. And I think that's possible this week because I think there is a lot of potential volatility on the board. I think there's a lot of potential upsets. So I think you could gain that kind of chunk this week. But as we head into week 14, that's a week with championship week when we have seen some of these teams play each other. And I think there's just a lot more predictability that comes with a championship week. So maybe this year, not as much because I don't think we have as many dominant teams. So maybe there's a little bit of leeway given there, but I think this is the week I think we should be calling moving week because if you are looking to make a climb up the leaderboard, I think it's happening in week 13 much more easily and much more quickly than it would in week 14 and championship week next week. Yeah, I very much agree with that. You've got to kind of draw the line in the sand and plant your flag and move forward and give it your all this week. You do have to give it your all because one man has drawn the line in the sand atop the confidence standings. That is Jorge. He is 77 and 41 in his picks. He has 452 points, sitting at 99.4 in the percentile rank. And Alan, think about this. He has a six-point lead over second place. He has a seven-point lead over third place, and he has a 16-point lead over fourth place. So if you're not in the top three, you are feeling way back, and you better be looking to gain those eight or 10 or 12 points this week because that's the week you need to be able to cut off that lead and really put yourself in a position heading into week 14. Yeah, Jorge's had a remarkable year, but we'll see. I love the fact that we're nearing the end to the point where Some of these games are a lot of fun this week and can go some different ways. All right, Alan, because you had the better week than I did, why don't you take us away to CBS Sports and give us a lock against the spread? All right, my man. So this team picked against them last week. I think they very much should have lost the game, and therefore I think they actually should have lost against the spread too. But I'm going back to the Pac-12 to a team that pretty much has its way made to get into the playoff, and that's the USC Trojans. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Notre Dame. But here's the thing that I find very interesting about Notre Dame. They are by far and away playing their best ball currently, beating Boston College, who's just totally inept, 44 to nothing last night, or uh, last Saturday, excuse me. And they're just really, really playing good ball. Their defense is the best defense that USC will have played in quite a while. They actually average about 100 yards less per game than uh, USC's defense allows. So I've got Notre Dame covering that five-and-a-half-point spread. And uh, I think Chris Pine and company can really give this a run for their money. We've talked about it a number of times this season. We've talked about the fact that we have not come on the same side of an ATS lock very many times, and it's cost us every single time. But I'm going to do it again. Let's party. 
I'm with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish on the road plus the points at the Southern Cal Trojans. My God, it's a Thanksgiving lock party. Let's go. <laughs> we have got to figure out if we can get a win and a lock party before the season wraps up, but I'm on the exact same side in this one. We talked about this Southern Cal team a week ago. We've talked about them a number of times this season. Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, and these guys are explosive on the offensive side. But, Alan, you talked about a Notre Dame team that has been heating up as of late, and where they've really gotten things going is on the ground. Audric Estime has been good. Logan Diggs has been good. I think Drew Pine can be just enough and play kind of clean football that might be good enough to keep them just turnover-free. That's all I want from him. Just stay away from the turnovers, and Michael Mayer is a big enough threat at tight end that you'll get something out of the passing game. But I think this running game and this offensive line for Notre Dame can make room for Estime and Diggs and really churn this clock. I think that when you're looking at a matchup with Marcus Freeman and Lincoln Riley, what Freeman's going to be looking to do is burn that clock. Burn, baby, burn. And see if you can limit the possessions and the chances that Caleb Williams gets to get on the field and move down the field. We have seen a couple of defenses disrupt this USC offense this season. I'd highlight the Oregon State game they played earlier this year when they were really limited offensively and nearly lost that game in a low-scoring battle on the road. I think that Notre Dame can do a lot of the exact same things in this matchup. They're led defensively by Isaiah Foskey. I've mentioned him a couple of times this season. He has nine and a half sacks. He leads a unit that has 33 sacks. So Caleb Williams is a dude that is hard to bring down in the backfield. You know, he gets out of a lot of tight situations back there. But Isaiah Foskey leads a unit that really gets after the quarterback. I think they can shut down some drives by getting them behind the chains. I like the pick as well. I'm taking the Fighting Irish plus the five and a half points. You can lock it up. I just love the fact that this is north of a couple of key numbers. It's north of a field goal. It's north of four points. It's also north of five, but you don't end up in a lot of situations in college football games where there's a five-point margin. Either way, I'll take it. I'm going with Notre Dame plus the points as well. I love it, man. I'm glad you're going with me on this journey for a Thanksgiving lock party. Love it. Let's go into the weekend with some thanks, and we'll see if we can come out on the other end with a celebration of our lock party. So, Alan, where are you headed on the confidence side? Bro, I'm staying in L.A., and I'm going to the same thing as we turn it over to the confidence side. Not only do the Notre Dame Fighting Irish cover, but they win this game outright. The Trojans would be a six on your board just based on that five-and-a-half-point spread. Not only would I say move them down, which I definitely would if I were trying to you know, play a favorite and you know, just kind of conserve points, but I need to be aggressive which means I'm going to go with the upset, but I'm going to go with that upset probably a three or four, hoping I can get a big swing on points. And this will be kind of a line drawn in the sand type of game because I'm either going to drop down to like 20th or I'm going to jump up to like six, most likely because of this game. But uh, Catholic Jesus is going to be on my side, I think, this week. Well, I related earlier with some of these aggressive plays is kind of trying to 
chop your third down in half and go for it on fourth down. This is also kind of a comparison for what some coaches are doing these days, even sometimes in the first quarter. Oftentimes it happens late, though, when you see a team go for it fourth and one on their own 25-yard line, knowing that, hey, this is a risky play, but if there's only five minutes left in the game and our defense isn't getting a whole lot of stops, we like the odds of more going for it, trying to pick up that yard, rather than punting it away and trying to get a stop. So, Alan, I think this is kind of a fourth down, go for it situation because I think this matchup looks pretty good. I think that's what you're doing, and I think it's a pretty advisable play for somebody in your spot. I appreciate that. I will be going with the exact same thing on my side as well. So I don't have this as a confidence value pick on my end, but I do have Notre Dame picked on my board. When you go over and look at it on ESPN.com on the confidence pick them, I've got the fighting Irish picked and I'll lay out a couple more things that I like for this one. When you look at this Notre Dame defense and what they've done this year, they have limited the best offenses they have played. So they lost in week one to Ohio state, but they held that offense to less than 400 yards They won a few weeks later against North Carolina, one of the most explosive offensives in the country. But likewise, they held the Tar Heels to less than 400 yards. Then we saw them play a Clemson team that, while they're not that great offensively, they had been making some good progress, and they held the Tigers to less than 300 yards in that blowout win. So I'm looking at a defense that I think can contain this USD offense. Just limit it, you know, because the Trojans are going to score some points. But if you can roll the clock down and keep limited possessions like I think they can. And if this running game is as successful as I think it can be, I think we very well could be looking at Notre Dame coming up with that upset win that we just missed out on with UCLA. And for people who are far back in points like we are, I'm 35 points off the lead. You're 25 points off the lead. Right now, less than a quarter of people are on Notre Dame. But this is a game that I think feels like maybe a 55-45 or maybe a 60-40 kind of split on how these teams would come out with wins in this scenario. So if we're looking at 10 games being played, and if I'm right, USC wins maybe six of them on their home field, I think Notre Dame, if they could come away with 40% of those matchups and you're looking at only 23% of people on the Fighting Irish, I think those are pretty good odds to get a game to swing in your favor. So I'm not going to put them... As high in value as you are, but I'm looking at Notre Dame at a two on my board right now, and I like it for a chance to swing some points my way. I love it, man. All right, for another confidence value pick, I'm just going to be straight up with you. I think there are a lot of potential upsets this week, and I'm not picking every game as an upset. I'm also not picking every single close spread as an upset. But what I'm doing is I'm finding all the ones that I think are close to toss-ups And I'm just going to be honest with you on the confidence side. I'm going to pick every single one of them because I don't want to be in a situation where, you know, I pick, say, two games and I'm right on one, wrong on another. And then there's another couple of upsets out there that I get games wrong on. So I think there's going to be a lot of upsets this week. So I'm going to pick all the ones that I think are really, really close. And at that point in time, if I hit on two or three of them, I think it could be an amazing week for me. So that's what I'm going to kind of bank on in hopes that I'm going to swing some points my way. I'm going to give you another upset here. This one out of the group of five where we have a Mountain West showdown between Air Force and San Diego State. Now, San Diego State, what we typically think of with them, Alan, is a terrible offense and a great defense, right? Yeah, that's historically what they've been. And earlier this year, that's exactly what they were. But about midway through the year, 
This team has made a switch at quarterback, and I think that it has improved what the Aztecs field offensively. Jalen Maiden stepped in about midway through the year, and this team has gone 5-1 and one since he became the starter. Their only loss is in a game to Fresno State, who we respect as a program, especially last year. Now, they've had their struggles this year, but that is when Jake Hayner went down with an injury. He was back in this game against San Diego State, but get this, Allen. San Diego State led that game 28-17 to in the fourth quarter. And more than that, they lost this game 32-28 when Fresno State scored two touchdowns with less than a minute and a half to go in the game. So San Diego State dominated that game. They had it all but wrapped up and then kind of gave it away. Otherwise, Jalen Maiden would be 6-0 as a starter, and he and his team are going up against an Air Force team that is sure – They're good offensively. They run their triple option, but I don't think they're as good as the version that was here a year ago with Air Force. Alan, when you look at what Hazik Daniels and company have done this season, when they've played their best competition, they played Boise State in a losing effort. They gained less than 300 yards offensively. They also lost to Wyoming, gaining less than 300 yards offensively. And When you look at their loss against Utah State, a decent but not great team, they were outgained by over 50 yards in that game. So I don't like what Air Force has done against the best competition they've played. I think that San Diego State is sneakily a much better team than they were at the beginning of the season. Jalen Maiden, I think you can count on him throwing for, I don't know, maybe 225, 250 yards or so in this game. But that's a lot more than what San Diego State typically has gotten over the last couple of years from its quarterback. So when you're looking at Air Force as a one and a half point favorite, which is where we have them right now, it's the lowest spread on our board. So if you were going to follow the spread, you would have the Falcons at a one in confidence value. But Alan, this is another low percentage pick. When I say that, I mean talking about the percentage of people picking either side. I think this is like a toss-up game. But San Diego State only has 28% of the population on its side right now. And I think that they have enough going offensively, playing on their home field, to come away with the win. So I'm going to pick the Aztecs this week, but I'm going to boost it up in value. I'm taking San Diego State at about a 6 this week. Okay. I like that. This is a game that I really wanted to take a closer look at because of what we have seen of late from San Diego State. We know a couple of weeks ago that we had them versus San Jose State. They end up not only covering, but winning that one outright. And they have been playing their best football as of late. So I think this is going to be a, a really interesting game, especially in what you talked about in regards to the vast majority of people are on Air Force. We saw the San Diego State team go up against San Jose State earlier this year in our picks. It was one that I was hesitant to pick San Diego State at the time, but I noticed the exact same things as I did going into this week. I was on San Jose State to win that game, and they weren't anywhere close. San Diego State was by far the better team. They won that game easily, and that's one of the games since Jalen Maiden had come in at quarterback. It's just he only had a couple games under his belt at that point, and I was looking at San Jose State thinking, man, I think they've got the better offense, but the San Diego State team really has played much better football, especially since Maiden came in and started for them midway through the year. Quarterback makes all the difference in the world. Oftentimes he can. Alan, are you good to go before we wrap up here and move over to the bonus pick and pod? 
100%, my man. All right. We love giving out these plays, especially if some of these higher risk plays are going to pay off and give you a chance to jump up the leaderboard. So if you'd like to join us on a bonus pick and pod, you can do so by joining us as a supporter on Patreon. You have to become a team member that is at the walk on tier or higher. That's just $2.50 a month or higher. But hey, if you're in that top five position and you're back by, say, 16, 17, 18 points, something like that, and you want to find some ways to gain some of that value, you were talking about trading in a couple of bucks for this month. And in return, we could land you a prize that sets you up for a $25 gift card, a $100 gift card if you climb all the way to that top spot. So I think there's some value there. Hopefully you think so too. And Alan, we will see you over on the other side with the bonus pick and pot. See you on the other side, brother. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. <laughs>